I've been here for just now seven years. And in that time, we've had three of the four or five drugs that are on the market approved. That says the pace of acceleration is increasing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Connecting ALS. I'm your host, Jeremy Holden. On June 21st, the International Alliance of ALS MND Associations celebrated a global day of recognition of ALS MND. It was a day to reflect on the fact that ALS knows no geographic boundaries, to reflect on the work being done all over the world to make ALS livable for everyone everywhere. This year, the Alliance also drew attention to the fundamental rights of people living with ALS around the world. That includes the right to the highest quality care available within their healthcare systems, the right to the highest quality treatment available within their healthcare systems, the right to information and education that will enable them to play an active role in making the decisions, and the right to the choice with respect to health and support workers who are providing treatment or advice, the location where care takes place, and the type of treatment or support that is provided. Now, to learn more about the fundamental rights of people living with ALS MND, be sure to check out a link in the show notes. And in honor of Global Day of Celebration, share those fundamental rights with your network. I recently had an opportunity to sit down with Colony Palas, president and CEO of the ALS Association and board chair of the International Alliance of ALS MND Associations to get her take on where things stand today in the fight against ALS. Colony, thank you so much for being with us this week on Connecting ALS. Thank you for having me once again, Jeremy. Good to see you. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. Big day coming up on June 21st, that being Global ALS MND Awareness Day. But before we get into that, Colony, we haven't had you on since the news of FDA approval of Tofersen, Kalsadi. And I just want to get your take on what that says about the fight that we're in to create a world without ALS. Yeah, it's been a busy few months, hasn't it? Really exciting times. I think, you know, what it says are many things. One is the treatments are coming. And that's, that's incredibly hopeful and incredibly exciting and also is going to present us with a variety of new challenges. I think it also says that the work that has been done over years and decades is starting to come to fruition where we start to see what is the impact of understanding genetics and genetic implications around ALS MND. And and then last but certainly not least is just the impact that the community has. This was definitely a big community effort from our clinicians and researchers to people living with ALS and their caregivers, as well as associations like ours and all of our community partners that really leaned in to try to make sure that the FDA was taking a really close look at what was the right decision to make as far as accelerated approval. So I think it's going to show that all of those efforts certainly paid off, and but there's a lot more that we're going to have to do. And one of the things that I know I have and our team has been really focused on is making sure that we reduce the barriers that we know for people to get access, not just to Tofersen, but to Relivrio, as well as assistive technology devices and things of that sort. So that that's a long-term 
fight that we're going to have to be willing to run the marathon on together. Yeah, a lot of work being done educating insurance companies, insurance providers, healthcare providers about some of these needs. It's the second time in less than a year that we've been able to talk about FDA approval of a new drug. What, the yeah. third time in six years? Does, what, what does that say about just the pace of change that we're seeing in this space? Yeah, again, that's the exciting part. I've been here for just now seven years. And in that time, we've had three of the four or five drugs that are on the market approved. That says the pace of acceleration is increasing. And often Neil Thacker and I talk about kind of those external forces that are coming and that are coming upon us. It's not necessarily just us making them, but it's also those that are coming alongside us. And I think what it says is our goal of making ALS a livable disease is certainly attainable if we keep leaning in those directions. So I think it's it. what it tells me is the tide is turning and it's turning quite quickly at this point. We mentioned that make ALS livable, that goal. And one yep. of the things that I've heard increasingly from people in the space is making ALS livable for everyone everywhere. That's yeah. just not just in communities uh, around the country, but also around the world. And I want to pivot to your role as the chair of the International Alliance of ALS MND Associations. We're seeing the pace of change here domestically, but what are you seeing globally that's changing in some of the advances around the world in the fight against ALS MND? Yeah, it's such a great question. And one of the things I just want to say is that conversation that we're having around making ALS livable, it's one that I'm hearing from my colleagues in different ways and maybe different forms all across the globe. And that's the everyone everywhere piece of this, both domestically and internationally. And what I'm seeing around the globe is I spend a lot of time with my colleagues from other countries thinking about fundamental rights and whether we have the right things in the documents and whether we are having the right conversations with organizations like the World Health Organization, the WHO, and how do we lean in on fundamental rights with them. And also really interesting conversations now, I, I keep going back to access, but I heard someone from the MS Society recently say that drugs aren't useful if no one can get them. So what we have to make sure is that we have that kind of access together. And I've been having conversations with our colleagues to say, what can we do around fundamental rights, patients' rights, caregiver rights, so that all of our agencies, whether it's FDA here in the United States or EMA over in Europe, are in alignment with the patient groups and what we're thinking. And we're spending a lot more time trying to make sure our language is not necessarily the exact same because it doesn't always work the same in every country, but it has the same thread and we're all walking in the same direction. And that is happening more and more every day as I have these really great opportunities to talk with some bright people. We recently talked to Dr. Melinda Cavanaugh here on Connecting ALS about some of her work uh, taking the youth caregiver support program and bringing it to South Africa and thinking about the ways, yeah. ways to scale that up globally in other countries. And it strikes me that when the Alliance had its annual meeting late last year, a lot of talk about resource sharing, about taking something that works here and bringing it there and making it fit there. Can you talk a little bit about that collaborative spirit? Absolutely. And I love the programs that Melissa and her team are working on. The association has been a longtime supporter of her work. She's brilliant, and there's just so much more to come. 
But the it, when I put my international alliance hat on and chair of that organization, that group really serves and thinks of itself as the conduit to information across the globe. So we all know we have limited resources. We're very clear about that. And there's really no need to replicate, duplicate those types of efforts. So we have made a really big effort on resource sharing. It's why the Alliance has its annual meeting. It's why people around the world come together to really learn from each other and see, does would that make sense in my backyard? And maybe it then becomes a bit of language translation, maybe a little culture translation too, but it doesn't necessarily mean that someone has to just reinvent that resource over and over again. And so the Alliance is really committed to at least calling as much of that information as possible that all organizations are willing to share and then making sure that's free for delivery. If you want it, <laughs> here it is. If you want to get it translated, please do. And I know a lot of my colleagues do that on the regular with the ALS Association materials. They take our educational materials and whether they translate them into Spanish or French or Chinese, all these different languages, and then put that cultural twist on it to make sure it fits for them. It seems to me to make the most sense when time and money are very limited for all of us. Yeah, that's a good point. I mentioned June 21st being Global Awareness Day. And yeah. for folks that are maybe tuning in to our fight for the first time or for the first time in a while, what gives you hope that the global community is moving in the right direction and creating a world without ALS? June 21st is one of my favorite days. It's just such a, it's a great time to celebrate what we learn from each other. And like I just mentioned, all these different resources, what gives me hope? We just talked about it. Three, drug, three new drugs in six years. The idea right now, I've been working with my colleagues in Europe. They're having some cha challenges around Amalex's drug. We're trying to move that forward. But I don't think people feel as alone as they might have even four years ago. And you, know, you and I have talked a lot over the last couple of years about the impact of the pandemic. I think COVID have brought this community closer in ways that were probably pretty unexpected. And with that, I feel I think that people feel like they're not in this fight by themselves. You've got a friend in the United States, you've got a friend in the Netherlands, you've got a friend in Australia, the list goes on and on. South America, Africa, you just mentioned. So there are a lot of people that are reaching out and reaching together to, to try to really put good thinking into quick progress. And that gives me a lot of hope because again, it's, it's not duplicating those resources, duplicating those efforts, and maybe getting to a good endpoint at a much faster pace. It's really exciting to be a part of right now. I'm convinced. I'm excited. It's great work. And, and thank you, as always, for your time and your insight. You're welcome. Thank you. And hope everyone has a great day. Go out and raise some awareness about ALS and MD, wherever that might be for you. Thank you. I want to thank my guest this week, Colony Palas. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. And while you're at it, please rate and review Connecting ALS wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a great way for us to connect with more listeners. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car, post-production by Alex Brower, production management by Gabriella Montequin, supervised by David Hoffman. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll connect with you again soon. Bye.